Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week, I'll be travelling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant-centric. And this week is no different. I'm going to be speaking with Lena Fail. Lena is a uh, professionally trained chef. Uh, she's worked for many years, predominantly in central London, working for some of the finest restaurants that the uh, capital has to offer. However, uh, in, in recent times, just over a year ago, Lena uh, made the transition to veganism. Uh, and she'll, she'll give her reasons why in, in the podcast. But she made the transition to veganism and, uh, and obviously, as, as, as the would entail, being a, a professionally trained chef, she had to really rethink her career. She's got an incredible story and, uh, and an amazing new venture that she's embarking upon, which I'll, I'll let uh, Lena tell us all about during the podcast. So without further ado, here's a conversation between me and Lena Fail. Okay, Lena, it would be great to get started with a little bit of your your personal journey into the world of veganism, what's what's kind of brought you here. Okay, totally. Um, so I haven't been vegan long. It's been about a year and a couple of months, and I'm a trained chef. So for eight years, I've been in the hospitality industry. Um, I've been trained by some top-end chefs working in high establishments in London. So, you know, butchering whole lamb carcasses and doing the whole... Yeah, the whole animal stuff. Um, and actually, so a year and a couple of months ago, I started um, working with a company called Arbon, Um, And they are a health and, health and wellness brand. Um, I had no idea what I was kind of getting myself in for beforehand. Um, but it happened to open my whole life into consciousness and um, eco-sustainable living and just... Yeah, just being more of a conscious consumer and an eco person. And it was all about advocating sustainable, clean products that are all vegan. And before then, you know, I hadn't had a clue. If anyone had said to me, you know, would you be vegan? I probably would have laughed in their face with no disrespect. But I just, I was so arrogant and ignorant. Um, and it just opened up like a whole can of worms. And yeah, that's what started the journey, basically. Um I was so sick of my job in chefing. I was working long hours. I hated my life. I couldn't like piece it all together. And then slowly after starting working with Arbon, I was looking at all of my products and the things on the back of them and the labels and just, yeah, just questioning what I was actually putting on my skin, in my body. And then I realized that I actually needed to change my career path because I was advocating mass meat production, um, you know, eating animal products that aren't always the best for your health, especially in like large consumptions. I was eating meat for every single meal. Um, and I was so desensitized to the industry, um, you know, butchering half lamb carcasses on tables and not even, you know, making the connection that actually that's an animal. So, you know, trying to rewrite seven years of training and kind of, you know, come onto a new path of being a conscious consumer and being conscious of my impact on the world. Um, me and my boyfriend, we both went vegan a year ago. And yeah, we started researching everything that we were using from like talcum powder to toothpaste, um, you know, fluoride, sodium lauryl sulfate, all of these chemical names that we just don't even, you know, think would be bad for us because we're allowed to use them from high street brands. But actually it's like, they're really toxic. And most of these things say toxic on them. And that was just like one, one switch. And then it was like, the food that we're eating, um, how much plastic we're using, how we're recycling. Does the recycling actually get recycled and all of these things. So I guess it was an um, environmental factor that changed us, but for the better. And I'm actually really, really glad that Arbon came into my life. And since then, um, so I've actually trained um, at the Delaunay. Um, it's Austrian Viennese, uh, Austrian Viennese restaurant and, um, next to Oldwich, so kind of like theatre area. 
and it's the sister restaurant to the Wolseley next to the Ritz. Um, so I trained with hard chefs who are very old school and yeah, you can, you can probably imagine. So yeah, just kind of like rewriting that and learning what I actually wanted to advocate and be a part of. Um, it's just put me on a completely new path. And actually, um, I now work at a restaurant called Alter. It's all about reducing, reducing can't say it properly, but yeah. And reducing your consumption, being conscious of the things that you're doing and what you're advocating and what you're eating. And it's the first time I've worked in a vegan restaurant, but this isn't vegan food when you, you know, go to a restaurant and the last option on there is, I don't know, nachos with broccoli and cauliflower in it or something crazy. This is like the most incredible food you've ever eaten and it's vegan. And it's not just for vegans. It's trying to come away from the nuance of what a vegan is. And it's just the more that you're doing is better. And the more you're reducing and the more conscious you are, the more you're doing for the planet. And I really like that. So, yeah, it aligns with me. And I'm, yeah, I'm happy. That's quite that's quite a, a story, quite a way into it. I mean, the I'm, I'm fascinated by being in that kind of world for for eight years that length of time, the dedication, the time, the energy, the effort that's gone into building all of that knowledge. And then this, this sort of awakening kind of moment. Was that over the period of weeks, months? What was the kind of time scale from, you know, you, you getting, you know, involved in this, this business, uh, finding out all this stuff and then wanting to change your, your whole career? Two months. So it was quite quick um, and it just came from being really miserable. I was drinking like seven coffees a day at work. I was working in the most amazing restaurant. It was um, a little independent uh, pasta restaurant in Deptford, so South London. And we made pasta every day and bread every day, but it was so much hard work that we didn't actually have time to sit and eat for ourselves. Um, so I lived on coffee. I lived on pasta. I was getting fat and unhappy and kind of blaming everything else, but not seeing that it was what I was doing to myself. So I decided to run away to Barcelona. <laughs> oh, wow, did you? Yeah. And I realised when I was there that I was still really unhappy. Um, and at the same time, I just started working with Arbon. Um, so, like, slowly through little bits of information I was getting because I was supporting a vegan brand. And it was just... It was so many light bulbs going off in my head. Like... How could I be using these products that say toxic on the back of them and we all use them? Or like bleach, you know, that says harmful to aquatic life and long-term use. And we never would see that. But it literally says that on all of our products. Um, and I guess it was just that and then making the connection between food. And, and yeah, I just wanted to change my life, really. And it actually did. It sounds a bit cheesy. But I really have changed as a person to who I was a year ago. So yeah. That two-month period, like, what was that like? Sort of having to go back, you know, to your job, doing all the things that you... Because the expectation would have still been there, right? That you were going to you were gonna butcher animals, you were going to cook them, serve their, their flesh, etc. All that, that kind of stuff, that expectation was still there. What, yeah. what, I can't imagine, what was that two months like? Well, I quit and I moved to Barcelona. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I just I didn't think I could hack it anymore and actually it's funny that you asked that because recently um before I found Alta I was looking at different restaurants thinking like where would I want to work what aligns with my new values um and I went for a trial at a Michelin star restaurant um in South London and I was there for half a day and I just told the chef I can't do this I'm gonna go home I tried bone marrow uh, duck livers, foie gras, so many different things that just, I just couldn't hack it. And I thought, you know, if this is what it's going to be like, I really don't want to advocate this sort of life anymore. And it's hard when you've been trained and that's the thing that's like ingrained in your head. But yeah, I think things are changing, you know. How was it kind of, you know, received? I imagine you've built up quite a network over the time of that eight years of, mm. you know, people who know you in the, in the, in the industry, in the trade, you know, they know what you're, they know your work and so on. And from my limited understanding of, 
uh, of that world. You know, I've, I think I've, I've read an Anthony Bourdain book that was probably about as He's amazing as far as I've gone. But it, actually, I, I, I read somebody recommended it to me, and I'd already gone vegan by this point, and I didn't get. Well, I, I read it, but at the same time, the the first chapter, I almost stopped reading it because it, it was sort of the great delight in eating everything, eating any animal that was available. And he talked about growing up in, you know, and eating this, that, and the other. And it was kind of like quite gruesome to somebody who's, you know, has 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 my views. I'm kind of interested in that. You know, what was the reaction like from from all of those people? You know. The, you know, it must have been like, Lena, what, what do you mean? Like, you know, how was Absolutely. that? Um, I mean, just like that, actually. Um, and my mentor or a really close friend of mine who trained me for like four years, um, he was the one that said, you know, why don't you go for this trial at this Michelin star restaurant? You're going to love it. They're going to love you. And halfway through the day, you know, you would never quit. You would never say, I can't do this. Or like, I don't agree with what you're doing. And and I did that. And it was met with such hostility for a second. And then I explained where I was coming from. And actually the chef was really, really good. And he just said, you know what? Things are definitely changing and you have to be true to yourself. And if that's how you feel, then thank you for coming. And, and people have been like that, you know, for a big, for, in the start, it's like, uh, what are you doing? Like, are you sure this is the right move? You vegan, like laughing in my face. But I think I kind of deserve it because that's the way I kind of treated people when they told me that's their views yeah so wow yeah it's, it's amazing to, to to think i'm i'm interested in that you mentioned there that the sort of views are changing would you would you say that they they're changing kind of across the board or, or you you've kind of got lucky with a few connections you you've met you know as we've seen like a popularity in veganism rise you know, the, over the last three, four, five years, particularly, it, it feels like a sort of exponential growth, and that keeps continuing. Mm. Do you, Do you think, you know, sort of chefs in the sort of mainstream are taking this more and more seriously, and even if they're seeing it as a commercial opportunity at first? Mm. It's, it's a really good question. I mean, I think people are becoming more conscious in general, whether or not hospitality is i'm i'm not sure um i think chefing is so attached to kind of this old old timey view of you know you go to work you're a slave you work for this many hours you don't ask for anything and you graft and you graft and you graft and then eventually you climb the ladder and then you become this macho chef and there's lots of toxic masculinity and like all of these things surrounded with it and eating meat is macho and I think you know as more chefs who kind of come out of the identity of being you know I don't want to say it because it's not fair on white men or white middle-aged men but you know more chefs are coming out in there from different ethnicities and different backgrounds and wanting to advocate different things and I, I do think the industry is changing um, I feel like the Gordon Ramsay's and the you know, um, the old timey chefs with these views probably wouldn't be the people that would change. But I feel like the industry as a whole is changing and people are kind of coming away from Michelin and they're enjoying, you know, independent restaurants that do this thing that's really nice. And it's quite nice to see. And I think even from the commercial aspect, you know, every time I walk down the street, I see a new advert for like plant milk or, you know, McDonald's trying to get on board with like... and. It's crazy because I feel like there is social consciousness and social awakening, and it's quite nice to see. So, yeah, I'd like to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine what that, what that world's like. I mean, you, you get a sense of that just from, again, my limited knowledge of like you know TV chefs growing up, and like you say, the the Ramses and the uh, Rick Steins and the. Uh, showing my age now, Keith Floyd and all those kind of people. Like, it, it, there was that very, yeah, really, it's interesting you mentioned that. I never really thought about it, but this idea of it being really wrapped up in masculinity, this notion that for some weird reason that, like, a real man, like, kills things. Like, it's it's bizarre. You, when you mention it, it's absolutely, it's, yeah. you know, you can't avoid it. It's there, isn't it? Yeah. 
definitely. Um, and it actually makes me think of my dad, which is quite funny. <laughs> and uh, when I told him, you know, we'd made the swap, <laughs> he just laughed at us. And he was like, yeah, this is just a phase. You'll be back. And he's a sort of guy who drinks like a pint of milk a day and bacon for breakfast and, you know, beef for lunch and every single animal throughout the day. So, yeah, I think it is connected to lots of toxic masculinity. Um, so... I think I think you're I think you're right. I'm interested in the practical side of things. So, eight years learning one particular way, or not one way, but you know you know what I mean, like a a methodology of of cooking with animals and their and their body parts and secretions and all this kind of stuff, and then moving away from that. What was that like? Like a relearning process because. I, I know, like, from personal experience, moving across just as a home cook, mm. you know, you go from this idea of, like, the meat's the centre of the plate and everything else is kind of like a bit of a posh garnish, if you like. Maybe that was a sort of because my sides weren't great, but, you know, you know that was the... <laughs> but even the, the the term sides, you know, the vegetables are the sides. They're never the, the, the main. Yeah. What was the practical element of it like? You having to, like, relearn this... Uh, you know, this, all this skill set you've you've developed over the years was it was it a difficult process or was it you know sort of almost transposing stuff you'd already kn- you already knew? I when I was cooking like the year before we went vegan, um, I was in a really lovely restaurant that really like they had a nose to tail movement. So we still did meat, obviously, but the meat wasn't from you know farms where the animals are treated horribly and actually they had a fairly decent life before they were killed and then put on your plate and you're eating flesh but we put so much care into where our vegetables came from and how we looked after the veg and how we cooked it and I would actually say that that was part of the process in turning because it was apparent that the veg for us you know Owen and I my boyfriend um, we were eating veg and that was the star of the plate and actually the meat was the afterthought at that point and it was just nice to come away from feeling like we had to eat meat all the time. Um, so yeah, like I think vegetables are an incredible thing and I often go down the reduce aisle in Tesco's and feel like I'm rescuing vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> it must be nice to have that, that level of skill though. Cause I must admit, even though I've, it, veganism's helped me improve my cooking, uh, uh, you know, I can only imagine the sort of thing that you'd be able to to kind of cook as a as a professionally trained chef working at the level you've worked at. Thank you. I mean, um, I I would say it's quite delicious, but you know, you'd have to maybe you should join one of the cook-alongs and then you can see. <laughs> well, yeah, I was, was going to come on to that because, but before we do, uh, I, I've spoken to a couple of chefs in the past and and a couple of restaurant owners actually of vegan restaurants, and something that they've particularly restaurant owners have pointed out is that it's really difficult to find training for vegan chefs that it just mm. that the, the standard roots of how chefs go about learning are you know they're very dyed in the wool to excuse mm. the non-vegan phrase but they're very um they're very kind of old school you know that this yeah. is how you learn the traditional way that, you know, and they, they've kind of said that they, almost that there's a problem in the, in the, in the, the sort of restaurant world in hospitality. And so far as there's demand from the public, there's people who want to open restaurants and there's not necessarily enough people with the skill to like staff those restaurants as chefs and, and, you know, and so on and kitchen staff and all the rest of it. it What's your experience been like of that? I know you you kind of already had your training was transposing a lot, but um, is the, are you seeing that change? You know, are, is there more of an avenue for people to learn uh, if they want to get into it, but they want to get into it as a vegan? Mm. It's to be honest, it is as you say. Actually, um, it's still quite a niche field. If you wanted to do a fully vegan cooking course or um, not even a course I guess like educate yourself in terms of like being a chef but going down a vegan route I don't think there'd be an option yet um and again I think a lot of that is because you know food as we know it 
comes from the French culture of like Nouvelle Cuisine and Escoffier and these people, you know, they loved their meat. They really, really loved their meat. And it came from a place of, you know, how can we cook this and how can we cook this bit of the animal? And I think until we fully make a conscious choice as a society that this is the accepted new norm, these things won't become normal to find. But I do feel like it's changing. Um, recently, I was looking online and I found a course for um, vegan content creators. So like building, building algorithms, kind of coming away from chefing. But this guy, he specifically helped vegans create um, business opportunities for themselves. And I thought that was really cool. So I think things are coming. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, def I mean, it's it's kind of sad to hear that in a way that there is still that route. You know, I, I can imagine like as somebody, a young chef coming into the, the game, you'd probably feel like your career was quite limited unless you went against your, yeah. your ethics, you know, um, you're not going to get into the Michelin starred restaurants because there's only one in the world that's vegan. And mm. you know, that's in Paris. Uh, and that only became Michelin starred like a month ago or whatever it was. Yeah. So, yeah, it's quite that's quite sad to hear. But I suppose yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And I've I've definitely seen this in other facets of like business leadership. These courses popping up, these networking events, businesses that are supporting other businesses, and there's definitely a sense of that, which I I, I really hope moves into the the world of catering and sort of meets this you know, this, this demand that I was talking about, there's the public want it. There's restaurateurs, there's not enough chefs. Hopefully yeah. that gap's closed. It'd be on, on that note, I suppose it would be good to sort of move into the, the, the vegan cooking classes and your, your kind of, uh, trajectory and what, what, what you've got planned next. Cause I think you've got some exciting stuff planned. Yeah. Well, actually that leads perfectly onto it. Um, Hopefully this is an offering for vegans so that they don't feel so left out. Um, and so recently I've just been thinking, you know, what can we do during lockdown? I've been so bored out of my brain, um, wanting to be productive rather than sitting in, you know, just ruminating. Um, and through lots of brainstorming, have been thinking, what would people like to be doing? So I want to offer um, vegan cooking classes to people that want to learn how to cook, um, vegetables, um, simple things, you know, to a restaurant standard, sure. But, you know, so people can make delicious home meals, mac and cheese, or I do a pantry staples class that I run once a month free on my Instagram. And it's just to help people who want to make their own almond milk, how to use the leftover almond meal to make crackers or flapjack bars and just, you know, show people how easy it is to use every bit of the vegetable, your cauliflower leaves, your cauliflower, um, not to throw things away. Because I think we also do that. And that I, I don't know if that comes part and parcel with veganism. I don't know your opinion on that. But for me, that was a huge part of it. Because in hospitality, you see so much food going in the bin. And, you know, people are starving. You go down the road and people are begging for money. Yeah, we're throwing perfectly good food in the bin because it's not this size, it's this size. And that to me is just absolutely crazy. And yeah, I feel like it's 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 a whole. And the people that are, you know, open-minded enough to look at veganism are also people that are open-minded enough to realise these other things that are affecting the world as a whole. Um, so yeah, vegan cooking classes, I'm throwing... Some at the moment for Chinese New Year for all the people that can't get home to celebrate. Um, and it's a vegan five-course meal. We're throwing one on the 17th and one on the 26th of February. Um, and yeah, there's still spaces for the 26th. So yeah, check out my Instagram if you're interested. Asian Sensation. Um, I don't know if you can pop a link or something in there. but Oh yeah, they'll definitely yeah. be in the, in the show Sweet. notes because I think it, it's it's just such an awesome concept and not one that I've seen, to be honest, at all. I've not, I don't think I've seen anybody doing, I've seen lots of folks doing, you know, a recipe that they've filmed and they've put online or whatever, but not necessarily a cooking class. So is the, is the principle here that, you know, people cook along with you 
or is it kind of a they 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 learn from you and then go and try and replicate after? It's like ready, steady, cook. <laughs> <laughs> so at the moment for the events, um, I'm actually prepping the food in advance and then sending it via courier to people's houses. So it's um, it's limited to London, and they do have to pay for their ingredients and my time. So. For the Chinese New Year courses, it's £50 for five courses for two people. It's really well-priced. I mean, you'd spend that on a takeaway, wouldn't you? Um, and it's just to teach people how to make their vegetables delicious and how to enjoy food without feeling like meat or dairy products have to be the centrepiece, because it doesn't. It's changing. And vegetables are bloody delicious. Sorry. <laughs> That's so cool. So it's like the price of a, a going out to a restaurant, but with the chef telling you how to do it so you can do it again yourself next time kind of thing. Yeah. And you get recipes included. Um, you, we cook along together. So I'll just be saying, you know, so next we're going to do this and we put something in the saucepan, we cook it together. Um, and it's actually really good fun. We have a laugh. It's a good opportunity for people to network as well. Um, and it's not just for vegans. Um, it's for other people who, you know, want to look at different ways to feed themselves and, hopefully it can change a couple of people's minds as well so have you have you have you done these before have you, how, how many of these have you done have you, have you trialed them yet or so I've, brand new? well it's it's pretty new as an idea um mm. last month we did two cooking classes um one for pantry staples i did a private party for a friend um and the chinese new year is the thing that's going on at the moment. So this is the first paid event that I'm actually doing. Um, and just because we're actually offering out ingredients. So the pantry staples, it's like, let's use everything that's in your cupboards. You might go and you might have to go and spend 10 pounds in the shop, but yeah, it's just, we're all stuck at home. You know, why not hone the art of something, especially when we're cooking for ourselves all the time or getting takeaways, bring restaurant standard food into your home that you've cooked and you feel so fantastic about. So such a cool idea it's really cool what was that what's the been reception like on those kind of like a couple of trial events that you've done the pantry essentials and the and the, the one that you did with the with the kind of uh, the, the the group who, who came to you directly like what how how have they responded they've loved it and it's fantastic to see because um i've been asking for like short feedback and long feedback so um, straight after the event, you know, they'll say, oh, it's fantastic. You could have done this better or whatever. And I'm telling people to be as critical as possible. Um, but for the long term feedback, it's actually really cool because people come back after a week and they say, you know, after learning how to do this, I had enough ingredients. So I did it again later on in the week and I had healthy snacks. I didn't have to just, you know, snack on chips all day. I had almond crackers and baba ganoush because um, that was the actual thing that we were doing. We did almond milk flapjacks, um, almond crackers, bab ganoush, and like how to de-seed a pomegranate. And yeah, they said they had enough food to snack on for the whole week, which was just really cool. That's so cool. So cool. Yeah, it's like the, the stuff like you, you mentioned there, like the uh, the making of the almond milk and things like that. With the audiences that you've, that you've tried it with so far and sort of from what you've seen in the vegan community in the last kind of year, do you think there's... You know, I, I'm just thinking about those from a personal point of view. Those, those. Firstly, I've attempted to make soy milk, uh, sorry, cashew milk once. How did it go? Uh, and it went quite well. Um, but I didn't do. I didn't. To be honest, I didn't do anything with the leftovers because I just didn't know what to do with them. So it, it felt like a waste, which mm. then felt like, well, maybe I shouldn't do this again. And I went back to kind of buying stuff. Um, do you think that that's kind of one of the reasons why folks often refer to like veganism as expensive because they don't necessarily have these skills, so end up buying expensive kind of convenience versions of when actually they don't need to do that? Absolutely. I think, you know, capitalism will monetize anything that's popular in the moment. I don't know if I've lost you. No, um, I'm still here. <laughs> Cool. It just went fuzzy for a second. Um, yeah, I feel like capitalism will monetize anything that's popular and in demand. Um, unfortunately, through this movement, you know, people have seen that they can monetize through this experience. So cashew milk, which is like 3% cashews and the rest is water and fortified vitamins, is like two quid for 
And that's crazy. Oat milk. It's like oats and water. And yeah, I feel like, you know, veganism doesn't have to be expensive. When Owen and I do go to a shop, we find that we do spend a lot on vegetables because we eat like 10 vegetables in a meal. Um, but I think there are more affordable ways that you can have vegan meals and vegan eating. Um, it's just about kind of being clever and seeing what you can do with waste bits. Sometimes we do like um, uh, potato crisps with like the leftover peelings. We just cook them on high and we'll use like cauliflower leaves and we'll do like cauliflower crisps with a dip. Um, so, yeah, I think there are ways that you can definitely do it. But I guess people don't have the knowledge and that's what we want to do. We want to help people be able to do that. So I don't even see that in the sort of the quote unquote like vegan influencer chefs. I don't see that kind of focus. And we, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier. To go back to that point, I, I hundred percent am with you that I think once you start looking into the the world of veganism, your eyes start opening to all kinds of other things. You know, that intersectional oppressions across the piece, whether they're in the animal world or whether they're human oppressions, you, you start to see those. You start to see uh, issues of sustainability, issues with corporate capitalist kind of uh, greed, monopolizing movements, even within veganism. You, you see these things. Um, and, I, and, I, and I sometimes then think, well, do, is there a danger that when there isn't any voices out there connecting those dots... Now, even if it's from a point of view of food and saying, mm. look at the waste you've got here, don't waste that, use this, this is how you do it, that we almost, we create the same problems, but, you know, we save a lot of animals and that's fantastic. And from an environmental point of view, the the damage is, is lessened, but we are still in the same system, if you like. It's, we've just monetized veganism and done the same bad things to it it's just just as wasteful it's just as oppressive when you look at chocolate and coffee and you know those kind of things does that sort of concern you that there aren't enough of those voices connecting the dots i feel like everyone at this point is like fighting for a side and i think the voices are good as long as they're constructive and when they come to a point of just making noise for the sake of it to fight someone else like like we're just fighting each other you know like we should be united and wanting to make this place nice for all of us to live in um and the other day we walk around the supermarket and i saw this lady and her trolley was filled with like just there wasn't a vegetable in there it was all just like frozen stuff animal products cheap um, punch and all the rest and for a minute I felt really sad like to the point where I was like just, like trying to hold back tears and I saw her two little boys and I was just thinking like this lady probably can't afford to eat healthily and has the knowledge to know how to make these things affordable for her whole family and in that moment it was like it was so clear um, you know the communities that are oppressed and how I guess healthy eating is a luxury for some or privilege, and it shouldn't be in the 21st century. I hate it. Um, so I think if you're an influencer who's doing all of these things to just make noise versus someone who actually wants to help communities and, like, start making people, you know, feel united and feel healthier together, it's it's two different things. So I don't know if we need any more voices. I think we need more people doing things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gra gra grassroots direct action of any sort, you know, whether it's simple as I don't mean to say simple in the you know it's an easy thing to do but teaching somebody how to cook uh uh you know using the skins of potatoes like as as you say I think I just flash back to the all the meals I've made with potatoes in the last two weeks where I haven't done that and thought why what a waste this you know at best they might go in a compost bin but I could have yeah it wasn't it I could have used them you know somebody could have eaten those I could have eaten them my family could have so on but and that's a that's a knowledge thing and I, you know I, like like you said I'm I'm personally privileged enough to be able to do that um but if if you don't have the knowledge and you're not perhaps privileged enough to be able to afford to throw those in the bin then 
you could end up down that because there it's been monetized to make those you know the meat options cheap the unhealthy options cheap so that's how you go about doing it if you didn't have those things so it's, i think it's amazing to have somebody advocating for that wanting to you know directly teach people and share that knowledge that they've got which has been hard earned and you know earned at a cost as well you know it's not it's not easy to to get to where you've got to as a chef no doubt yeah i mean i would give like huge praise to arbon in itself um it's a network marketing company and it gets a lot of backlash because the kind of industry of network marketing is like i don't know if you know about it too much but um kind of gets like a hey hard reputation of like you know uh, people reaching out to each other and pyramid schemes and all of this crap but actually the company is a b corporation and it's done so much good for my mindset and just fully changed me as a person and i'm i'm so grateful i don't think i would be saying that i'm grateful either without having this thing come into my life because it's fully like changed everything that i think about from like what i eat and what i put in my body to how i wake up in the morning and the gratitude i feel for things and the things that i want to do so yeah i think we all need a bit of arbon in our life <laughs> have you found many um like-minded folks from a veganism perspective through that particular community massively yeah because i wasn't vegan when i started um and yeah i think even if they're not vegan they are open to all of these issues that are issues um and they're probably more flexible in terms of you know eating meat maybe once a week or eating meat as a treat once a month um and doing more to reduce and doing more to advocate you know positive change positive mindset working towards things that you want to do i mean the community is incredible in the sense of they just pick people up i've never met another bunch of people that just want to see other people excel and thrive in whatever field they're in and it's really cool from a networking perspective as well if you're someone who's like who loves to network um it's awesome to just meet people from all different walks of life different ages like i've got a really good friend she's 65 years old and she's a costume designer in central london i would have never met her you know without this platform and we're really we're really close mates so yeah i don't know it's cool just oh, I'd, i'd love to go To, to this met this notion of sort of messaging for a second and how how we can effectively me message veganism and, I, and i'm thinking of your perspective as somebody who's been you know firmly ensconced in the world of animal agriculture through hospitality um and the kind of attitudes and so on What what do you see as kind of like effective in the way to communicate to to non vegans, uh, you know, in terms of whether you call that activism or, or or just helping spread that message? What what kind of have you seen work? See as effective? Your your view on it? Um, do you know what I think? Documentaries and mockumentaries and like all of those things do actually help because we're spending a lot of our time watching netflix at the moment um i don't know if you've seen um carnage by simon amstel brilliant and it isn't preachy in the way that some people can be um it just makes light humor of all these things that actually i do think you know in 10 years time we might look back on and think oh how could we have lived this life um and i think that's a really cool way to spread the message um i think from an environmental place we're all living on the same rock so that's i think that's like opened avenues for lots of people who maybe don't care so much about the animal you know cruelty and animal welfare um i think just connecting and just you know sharing tips and things that we think are helpful like even from the potato skins like that's not even my thing i a friend of mine was doing it and i was like that's such a smart idea and she was like why why would we waste this And I've been like telling everyone, it's not even my idea, but I just want to tell everyone because it's like, it's genius. <laughs> genius. It's yeah. So genius. obvious as well, but yeah, no one does it. Yeah. And like, for what? You know, people, how long does it take to grow a potato? And then we just like eat it within a minute and the skins go in the bin. It's like such oh. a waste. Yeah. Yeah. And nutritionally, I mean, you'll know better than me, but, but one of the best parts, right? 
Yeah. Skin for everything. At least I was told that as a kid. Yeah. Skins <laughs> for everything. They hold loads of nutrition. Yeah. Sort of from a nutritional standpoint, just coming onto that, you know, like the received wisdom of the mainstream and, you know, as somebody who's, who's cooked for omnivorous folks for years, the received wisdom is, you know, is what it is that, that protein is required uh, through the consumption of animals, that dairy is good for us, for our bones and so on and so forth. Did you have to, you know, you, you sound like you, you obviously went down the, the journey sort of ethically pretty pretty quickly. Once you'd made that that switch mentally, it was kind of like, I'm, I'm all in here. And you obviously had the sort of the, the knowledge to be able to cook. But was there a disconnect in terms of the knowledge of, you know, nutritionally for you? Did you have to learn, you know, did, was there any fear from you that you were like, well, I'm not sure I'm going to, you know, thrive and survive on this? Or, or were you kind of through your cooking experience, pretty knowledgeable on what you'd need to do to replace what and so on and so forth. It's so funny because as a chef, I was probably my most unhealthy because, you know, you spent all your day cooking. You literally live off a two minute meal that you eat while standing up seven cups of coffee. And then on you go with <laughs> seven years later, you're having like heart palpitations in bed. <laughs> Talk about myself. Um, and I think, Actually, veganism was such a health kick. Um, and my mum was the one that was really worried about where we were going to get our protein. Uh, she called us up one day. She was like, I know this is just a phase, but where are you guys getting your protein? Are you getting enough of this? Are you getting enough of that? <laughs> and I think, you know, if you look at most of our food nowadays, it doesn't have the nutritional content that it might have had, you know, 20 years ago. Our soils aren't as rich in mineral um, we need to supplement our diets in general, even if you are a meat eater. Um, and the kind of crazy thing was like watching a few documentaries and realizing that like we eat meat and they have protein, but they eat grass and that's where they get their protein from. So like this middleman, like we don't need to involve him at all. So I don't know. It's been like a huge nutritional journey. I feel like I've learned more in this year going vegan in terms of nutrition than I have in like seven years of being a chef because of lots of propaganda to a certain extent. Um, and you get taught to cover everything in butter and salt and sugar in the chefing world to make it delicious. So, yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you have to undo some of those habits? <laughs> I'm a salt fiend. I love salt. <laughs> um, and now I'm even more conscious in terms of like how much salt I'm adding to stuff. It's crazy. Um, even sugar, I'm more conscious about sugar than I've ever been. And sugar has been the thing that's like the hardest to give up because it's so addictive. Right. Oh and yeah. 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 And sadly, sadly, ve uh, vegan, I wish it wasn't. <laughs> I've, I've found a ton of vegan cakes to eat at the beginning. I was quite, you know, quite healthy, lost loads of weight. It was great. <laughs> then I discovered, discovered loads of vegan cake and then, uh, yeah, never mind. What's a vegan cake <laughs> that you like? Tell me. There, there kind of isn't one that I, I don't, to be honest, I literally will eat and any cake with coffee is like a, a thing. I think it was years and years ago I used to smoke. And so I'm quite like a ritualistic kind of, per I like to you know, grind coffee beans and so and do do the slow process and 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 it used to be accompanied by a cigarette and now that is like there's there's a different ritual there's got to be some something sweet involved and so on. Occasionally, I have good periods where I replace the cake with dates and just eat a couple of like nice medjool dates or something with it, but. um I, I I just I'm one of those people unfortunately that goes to a restaurant or a coffee shop and if there's a new vegan cake I feel like obliged to try it even if I've you know I'm not in any way hungry or need a piece of cake <laughs> it just feels like what's there I've got I've got to try it yeah unfortunately I'm the same <laughs> <laughs> but yeah in terms of if I had to if you if you if you nailed me down to a favourite oh. It would be between like a lemon drizzle and then kind of anything with like a cinnamon, anything mm. with cinnamon. 
I'm a bit of a cinnamon obsessive. Love that. It's very rare. You yeah. hear like chocolate or coffee or, you know, strawberry, but I make a banging cinnamon roll with like oh. frosting. I'll send you the recipe. Oh, yeah, please do. Yeah. Please do. Well, not that bad. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> fine. I keep meaning to get into this. Uh, I went to this little cafe once that did like raw vegan cakes and activated nuts and stuff like this. I hadn't even heard of Activate. I had to go home and get... I, I styled it out in the cafe. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, Activated Nuts, fantastic. And then I went... Because the lady was, like, telling me, like, I'd know, right? And then um, I had to go home and Google it. What's well, essentially. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was like, how on earth do you activate a nut? <laughs> like, is there a switch that I've missed on the... <laughs> but <laughs> apparently you... S- I think you soak. I'm probably getting this wrong. There's probably people screaming. Um, you soak. You soak them, and it. I, th- I think. And in terms of it, it, a makes them easier to like blend into like a cake mix. But b, it unlocks some sort of nutritional profile in them. Wow. Apparently. Wow, I'm going to have to go and research this. That's amazing. You'll Google this afterwards and think he's literally just made that up. I don't know where he's. <laughs> or, or this person in the coffee shop has conned him into buying a piece of cake for twice the price of a normal one because it had activated nuts in it. Just a great salesman. But yeah. <laughs> she, she, was, she was excellent. It was, it, it was fantastic. A little vegan coffee shop where I live. Fantastic. Fantastic. Love that. <laughs> but yeah, activated nuts. And but yeah, raw, raw vegan. Yeah. yeah, very delicious. My housemate yeah. is a genius. Um, she's not vegan or gluten-free, mm. but we live with a celiac. Um, and she is incredible. She makes vegan, gluten-free cakes that are all raw. And she uses, like, dates that then become caramel and peanut butter for this and, like, cacao nibs and cacao powder and coconut oil. And then it sets, like, a chocolate layer. And it's amazing. Amazing. I, 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 I keep meaning to get into that kind of thing. Because it's just delicious. Like whenever I have it, and it, you don't feel quite as bad. Yeah. It probably is bad. There's probably lots of sugar, but you don't feel quite as bad. You know? I don't think it's as naughty because you kind of use like dried fruit instead. Okay, so, that's right then. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's absolutely fine. Have your cake. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, you've been to Deliciously Ella. I haven't. Does she have like her own shop? Is it noisy? That's fine. Okay. Um, there's, some, there's some people hanging out. Um, I like that lamp, by the way. It's very nice. Thank you. Uh, it's held together <laughs> with duct tape. <laughs> I can't see the duct tape, so that's fine. <laughs> um, I've bought that's Ella a deliciously Ella's like granola bars and her like peanut butter balls, like banging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she has a restaurant a... in uh, Wayhouse Street. Oh wow! Uh, behind, kind of like behind Oxford Street. I'll have to yeah, check it out. It's amazing. Yeah. In, it, I don't know if they're doing takeaway at the moment and stuff, but it's it's incredible. Really good. All vegan. She never, interestingly, she never uses the word vegan at all. It doesn't say it anywhere. It doesn't say plant-based. Mm. It doesn't say anything. It just sells stuff, but all of the stuff is vegan. So I love that. Like you, if you buy, and every time I've been in there, and it's usually around breakfast time, weirdly, just because I've been like in town for meetings and whatever. And, um, Every time I go in there, there are folks who clearly aren't vegan because they say, they the the sort of barista says, "What milk would you like?" And they always go, "Oh, normal milk." Not that there's anything normal about drinking cow's milk, but they say normal, and then they sort of say, "Oh, well, we do oat milk and soy milk," and and nine times out of ten, people just go, oh, "Okay, I'll have oat milk then." There's no like, what? Why have you not taken the milk from a small calf? And you know, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a really interesting tactic from a marketing point of view, just to not say it and just make great food. Yeah, I should I probably that. ask you what, what your view on that is. Actually, no, somebody great. Else. That's the way we should be going. Like, it shouldn't just be food for vegans and food for non-vegans. It's like this food is fantastic. Let's everyone eat it. And that's kind of what Alter's about. You should check it out, actually, when we're not in yeah, lockdown. I need to, yeah. So it's a new pop-up that's just opened. And um, so Andy, yeah. my head chef, 
he is such a cool dude. His idea about reducing inter- reduce your terror, I can't say it, reducing your impact and conscious living. Let's go with that. Mm. Um, like his food is just absolutely delicious. He trained, well, he didn't train. He actually fell into cooking. He's an actor by trade. And oh, wow. he decided um, to go and eat in a couple of places. He really loved the food and then started like volunteering his time on his days off. Um, yeah. And just learned so much about like Asian food. That was the avenue that he went down. And right. the beautiful thing about Asian food is that lots of it is vegan, but not yeah. because it's trying to be. It's just naturally vegan. Yeah. yeah. Coconut milk, rice, um, and just delicious. And he's kind of gone down that route and he just makes absolutely delicious food for vegans and for non-vegans. And yeah, you come into Ulta and it doesn't really say like vegan anywhere. You just get really delicious food and I think at certain points you probably play in your mind, you know, is this cheese, is this that? Because it's all a little yeah. bit experimental, but delicious. Do you get lots of omnivorous folk in there? Uh, some. That probably um, come in thinking, oh, it's vegan food, I'm not going to enjoy it, and actually leave yeah. feeling really <laughs> satisfied. So, Dragged in their, their vegan mate and then yeah. end up loving it. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. So it'd be it'd be remiss of me not to ask you for a little bit of a top tip whilst you're whilst I've I've got you as a professional chef, okay. Uh, and hopefully a tip for for folks out there, sort of thinking of you know the the sort of pantry essentials. What what for you are the kind of you know if we were to say five kind of things that like every vegan should have in their in their kind of cupboard, the most like versatile kind of ingredients. Mm. Um, and I know that's really hard to pin down to five, but if you had to, five kind of cupboard essentials. Pretty easy, actually. Chia <laughs> <laughs> seeds. I was, I, I, Sorry, okay. go for it. Yeah. No, I was. I was just. I, I was like, should I put you on the spot? But you, you know, you're a professional. You're fine. Chia <laughs> seeds. Hundred percent. Like the best egg substitute. When I when I first started, like, just you know, plant based living, I was like, how am I going to do it? Because I love cake. And yep. chia seeds, genius. Um, gram flour is another one. Yeah. Do you use it? I'm, I'm winning so far. I've got both of those. Love I've got that. a massive bag of gram flour. I love it. Yeah, it's so good for like chickpea omelettes or like pakoras. Yeah. So, it's so easy to use. It's a great substitute. Um, what else? Dates, very good sweetener and adhesive for cakes. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Peanut butter, I mean, or almond butter, like both delicious. Live off the stuff. I feel really sorry for folks who've got a nut allergy and are vegan. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. Yeah, because that's that's rough. I mean, there's obviously loads of people who do and they do an amazing job, but I don't know about not having peanut butter. I'd be quite sad about that. Are you, uh, what's your favourite nut butter? It, it depends because like this is a bit of a like I, I have sort of a bit of a like almond butter feels like a bit more decadent to me mm. so it doesn't feel like something I should be having every day I don't know if it is or it isn't but it just doesn't there's a taste sort of to it to me that sort of says don't eat this every day I don't know if that's right wrong or if, if it's nutritionally just as bad but peanut butter is like a staple on my morning porridge mm obsessed with peanut butter I need to be kept away from it it's the sort of thing I'd just spoon and eat if I'm left to my own devices um, buy them in kilo tubs oh yeah yeah I buy the pip and nut in the kilo like the mm. massive ones as big as if they did it bigger I'd buy it bigger but okay. yeah that peanut butter definitely and then and then probably like almond butter as a, a little treat cashew butter's good too I kind of like them all I'm not really I've not met one that I haven't liked yet. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Um, I think almond butter is probably up there. It's actually probably better for you than peanut butter. Is it? Lots of peanuts oh. um, have pesticides in them. Wrong. Right. So unless they're organic or like free from pesticides, you would assume that your peanut has loads of pesticides and chemicals when they're grown. Um, so oh, unfortunately. I need to go and look up my peanut butter now. I've got um, my favourite peanut butter is Organic Kitchen Smooth Peanut Butter. It comes in a kilo tub, seven quid, really good. 
Yeah. And it's organic, so free from pesticides. What's it called? Organic Kitchen. It comes in a blue tub. This doesn't make great listening, but I'm going to write it down. <laughs> I love that we're just talking about food. <laughs> <laughs> well, why not? Hopefully somebody's interested. I'm sure they are. Talking about peanut butter. But yeah, I, I've not even, I've not even heard of that. Is that a, a supermarket standard, or would you have to go somewhere to get that? You can get it from Amazon, but I think they do them in like funny corner shops. It's a bit of a random one to find. Yeah, yeah, like a Greek shop. I'll check it out. Yeah, I check it out. I'm always I've always gone pip and nut. It always feels like the mm. the sort of the the high end. No, not you know, it's not like yeah. Sun Pat. Yeah. That, that doesn't, it doesn't taste like peanut butter. I assume there's not many peanuts in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's funny, isn't it? It feels like, like palm oily as well. Exactly what I was going to ask you. Like, what's your opinion on palm oil? Because I find that in lots of vegan food, palm oil is an ingredient that is used a lot. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I'd be I'd be lying if I said that I've there, there's not been some palm oil in my diet, but I do try and avoid it. Like I'm a bit of a label reader for it and try and like that. Like for example, the peanut butter choice is is driven by the fact that it's like a no palm oil peanut butter. Mm. But you know, there's things like Oreos, for example, which lots of vegan folk are super excited about because it's like oh they're vegan, but they're quite they're a bit palm oily. And if you go down the what's palm oil in, we just seem to use the stuff for bloody everything. Like yeah. it's just all over the place. So, and I do think there is a, it's clearly used as a pretty cheap uh, alternative because you tend to find not having it in a product puts a premium price on it. Mm. Like using an alternative, like if you take the pippa nut example, you've got your pippa nut and meridian. Mm. So this is like the peanut butter podcast here, <laughs> and a new genre of podcast. It's very niche, <laughs> just nut butters. Uh, so good. But you've got, you've got those two, and they're like the you know they say no palm oil and stuff, and then like all the others, pretty much all the the lower level ones have 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 got it in. So I t- I try and avoid it, but I I, I feel like. I'm I'm always a bit um, nervous to say I absolutely I would never do you know because I I think that's a slippery slope someone's going to catch you out somewhere and say oh that thing you just had yeah so I you know but it's so what I guess what I'm saying is it's a learning process and that there's always room to find out you've done something else wrong (laughs) I think particularly in, in 2021 there's so much that. Every time I open a social media app, I realise I'm, you know, oh my god, what I've learned something else horrible that I need to stop doing. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, yeah, but generally, I'd say avoid it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, if it says sustainable palm oil, I start to question what is yeah. sustainable and what is isn't. It? Yeah, but um, is it? If yeah. that feels like a bit greenwashing word that gets bandied around sometimes doesn't it sustainable yeah it's easy to stick on things yeah i don't know if you have you seen this um regenuary movement that was a kind of counter to veganuary mm-hmm. so there's this chap called um the ethical butcher yeah exactly and uh, <laughs> so he's he's just a butcher but he he's he's trying to say that uh, the soil health, uh, we can't get the soil health back unless we have animals. And w- which there may be, I think there's some evidence to suggest that animals living on the land is good for the, the soil. But what doesn't, from a, like, doesn't make the logical leap is that you then need to kill them and eat them <laughs> at the end, which is the bit that he he puts in there. You know, I would say, well, just if, just let them live on the land then. Like, you know, absolutely feed them, just don't <laughs> kill them at the end. But uh, anyway, so he did this whole like regenerary thing, and it was all kind of like essentially, you know, vegans think they're super sustainable and blah blah blah. But this is this is actually sustainable, and so kind of trying to latch on to some of the same language and so on. Um, and it caused quite a bit of, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
there was yeah. there's quite a few vegans who came back with a lot of you know facts back and so on i think it's really hard nowadays especially with social media and like it's so quick you know you think you're doing something good and then an article comes out and it's like actually you're the devil of the world um and <laughs> yeah it's hard nowadays isn't it to be accountable for all of your actions but i think as long as you're trying and as long as you're consciously you know trying to change mm. for the better then yeah give yourself props peanut butter without palm oil is fantastic <laughs> I think there's an interesting point about that generally that I think we I think you mentioned it earlier about this kind of idea of like division within within the community and within groups and it you know not being helpful and so on and I do think there's a there's a case for like that as, as you just said there's so much to figure out every time you took to have a conversation with somebody or you see a post or you learn something new and realize that there's another element of your life that you need to look at. Mm. And I think, I think we really do need to like treat each other with a bit of kindness there. Like, you know, as long as people are, learn, you know, try uh, not actively trying to be awful, they just didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> then, you know, try and help each other and raise each other up and educate each other rather than, I think sometimes we can, you know, especially in social media, everyone wants to jump on it and say, you know, that person's awful. Like, let's get rid of them. Like, because they did that. Cancel culture. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. It's terrible, actually. Um, my other half hates social media. Like, he tried living with a, a brick phone for about three months. <laughs> and then he yeah. lost his uh, his uh, smartphone. And he tried doing that for two months. And then he realized, that actually, <laughs> you have to call people. And you have to use your calendar and your GPS and all of this stuff. But... It's crazy because I feel like te technology is advancing so much that people are kind of coming back to a point where they're thinking, I don't want all of this stuff anymore. I don't want people to be able to see all these aspects of my life because you're so right. You know, we're all trying to be decent human beings and we should be in a place where we're lifting each other up and encouraging each other to learn more and grow more rather than damning someone for having mm. a bit of meat or having palm oil in their dinner if they're genuinely trying to do more so yeah i hope we can help, build help more people through the other sides rather than just shut them out yeah know? totally mm. i think that's a good place that's a good place to leave it yeah i like it but before we do how can folks sign up to your your live cook-alongs because i think that is pretty important where do they where do they need to go okay so um check out the instagram there isn't a website yet I'm yep. working out the technicals, a bit of a technophobe. <laughs> um, but I have a free pantry staples event monthly. Um, and I'm throwing events where I kind of like do some of the prep. Um, I'm planning a make your own -y at some point, which is like come and make some pasta. Um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's I like that. <laughs> so, yeah, just check out the Instagram. Um, keep watching the stories and there'll be loads of info. There'll be a couple of events in the month and yeah. I'll put some links in, but what's the, what's the Instagram for folks who are keenly so, listening? Um, Asian underscore sensation, but the A in sensation is a four. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. I've, yeah, there we go. I've got it. Fab. Give, give that a little follow. Lovely. Yeah. Amazing. Come and learn to cook. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. And come and, even you, like Jim, I'd love to have a little cook along, maybe with you and the missus and the little what one. do with that? Yeah. I could do, oh, he, he'd be a nightmare, but the, <laughs> we'd, we'd be happy to do it, but he would be causing all sorts of chaos. Maybe he'd probably have a lot cookies. of good Yeah, he'd love that. He'd love that to be fair. To be fair, we do try and get him involved with it because he does, he does love stirring a bowl. It's just that you, you have to prepare for some of that bowl <laughs> will be on his head. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, let's do it. That'd be really good fun. Maybe we can make awesome. something family safe. Yeah, let's do it. I love it. Thanks, Lena. Thank you for having me.